Coming up on the show today, we have the legendary Jim Peterick. This man has written or co-written so many hits. Uh, with 38 Special, he had you know Hold On Loosely, Caught Up In You, with Sammy Hagar, the song Heavy Metal, um, the Ides of March song Vehicle. If you don't know what that song is, Google it and hear, listen to it. It's a huge hit. You definitely will recognize it. And of course, he wrote all the Survivor hits, including Eye of the Tiger. That's a big one. Um, he's collaborated with so many big names, uh, including Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, Dennis DeYoung from Styx, and many, many more. So we only get a smidgen of his career in this interview, but I hope to have him back on the show to talk more. He's a very busy man, and he does a lot of interviews, so I tried to ask him some questions that maybe he'd never been asked before. So we'll see how it went. What do you, tell me what you think. Check it out. great uh thank you i woke up my hair was purple uh, too much uh, <laughs> too much grape juice last night <laughs> i uh, love it I, I you know i've been p- prematurely purple for the last 11 years i was at my hairdresser guy and he i said what what can we do that's really crazy and i came up with how about purple and so it was and you just yeah. stuck with it it kind of became my trademark so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it well so tell me, is the newest album that you have out right now is the Jim Peterick and World Stage, the Tigress, the the thing with the with all the women? Yes, that is doing very well. That came out uh, probably in November, um, and it was my concept. I mean, Serafino with uh, he's the head of um, Frontiers Records. I don't think he's ever done a record like this with all females. It is a very macho label, you know with heavy metal and rock and roll and guys in leather and but he loved it and i i uh, rounded up some of my favorite singers and and, and instrumentalists like mindy abear and um, kathy richardson of starship jefferson starship uh and i wrote all the material and uh you know writing for females perspective was a little different you know because sometimes women guess what they're different than us mm-hmm. and they, you know and they say different things they think differently so i had to kind of think from their perspective because a couple of times i would send a, one of the ladies a, a song and they would go no that's that's too macho you know hmm. can you you know so i kind of uh, tamed it down a little bit but it, it was a challenge as a songwriter yeah. So, I mean, you wrote that book on songwriting, obviously, and, uh, you know, Michelangelo can't teach us how to paint the Sistine Chapel, but what advice would you have for aspiring songwriters besides buy your book, of course? <laughs> buy the songwriting for dummies. But yeah, really, um, you know, I mean, some of the things sound so obvious, but right from the heart, right from something you really feel and believe in, not just, oh man, this could be a hit, you know, you know what really tugs on people is when they can relate to a story or something you've been through in life. Those are the meaningful stories. And, uh, you know, in my career, some of my biggest stories were from real life, you know, like hold on loosely hmm. by, uh, by 38 special. That was the first time we got together to write back in, in 81. And, um, you know, this is a perfect co-write. I had Don Barnes sitting to my right, Jeff Carlisi to my left. And we're sitting there just like deer in the headlights because we had never even met and we we're expected to write a hit record that day, right? 
And uh, it was really funny. And we, we really had no luck at all until my wife came in and made nachos and we each had a beer. Suddenly things started opening up. <laughs> and Don says, well, I, I got a title. And I said, well, let's hear a title. Because a lot of times I like to write from a title. And he goes, hmm. hold on loosely. And I said, but don't let go, you know. And Jeff Carlisi finally goes, well, I got a riff. And he goes, you know. I said, hell yeah. <laughs> That's a great song. I love that Oh, one. man, I love that song. It's one of my favorites. So when and you're writing we lyrics. Wrote it. We wrote yeah. it. Yeah. Do you use, um, I heard uh, one of the singer, the singer of uh, Gin Blossoms, Robin Wilson, he was talking about using a rhyming dictionary. Do you use that or does it all just come off the, out of your head? Yeah. I used to brag that I do not, and I still don't, but it's nothing to brag about. I have no, I, no problem with using one. I've just never needed one. Hmm. Um, I usually think, if, if I can't think of it, it probably is too big of a word or a weird word. Because uh, my vocabulary is all up here, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't look down on it. A lot of times uh, it could probably jumpstart you out of, a, uh, you know, a problem. Right. Now, do you write songs? What's your routine with songwriting? Do you, do you still write songs every day? Or like, do you write more now than you used to or the same? Or Pretty much the same. Uh, I'm a nonstop songwriter. I'm always collecting, collecting ideas, collecting moods. People will say something and they don't know how damn clever it is. And I'll just hmm. write it down. Well, now I'm on the, on the iPhone. But I get inspiration everywhere uh, in life and from other people's situations. Um, recently, a, uh, a dear friend of a friend committed suicide, a female, uh, out of the blue. She was 30 years old. Beautiful. And... Uh, that inspired a song, and I kind of conflated it with a famous kind of news anchor, a talk show girl that committed suicide out of the blue about a month ago. And it's just its hard to understand. And I, I wrote this song called Everything to Live For, uh, and I'm just putting the finishing touches on that. So it comes from real life. Wow, that's, a, that's powerful. Yeah, because... That's got to be cathartic in a way too, because you're dealing you're dealing with the emotions of hearing that news, and you're like, "What can I do?" Well, I mean, I'm a songwriter; I can write a song about it. Yeah, it it really is cathartic uh, to write a song, and and when people when it touches people, then you know you've hit a nerve. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to hear that. Was that going to be on a, a solo record or? Uh, I'm creating a new project, which I you know not ready to unveil, but it's going to be very exciting. So I'll, I'll keep you in touch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to come back. I mean, you've worked with so many great people already. Is there anyone on your bucket list that you that you haven't been able to work with that you keep trying? Well, you know, I, I'm a big Sammy Hagar fan, and we caught lightning in a bottle in 81 with heavy metal. Mm -hmm. He's still, to this day, encores with, and I've joined him on the stage many times. But I would love to write again with him. And uh, he hasn't taken the bait so far. You know, he's busy in <laughs> that. But uh, that'll happen. Yeah, I had Damon Johnson. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he wrote a song with uh, Sammy Hagar. And it sounded like you guys had the same story where he picks you up in a red Ferrari. And he said yeah. it was just a blast hanging with the guy. Same, same thing. And I know Damon uh, well, too. And he's a dynamite guy and great, great talent. 
But yeah, you know, Sammy is the original living the American dream guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and also, I mean, I think one of the, the other ones that, in your resume that that's really amazing, you wrote with Brian Wilson. You say he's actually a dear friend of yours. Yeah. In fact, uh, Larry of the Ides of March, who I've known since third grade, who just set me up for this this cast. Uh, we've been friends with Brian for, what, about 15 years? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's been in the house here. He... Uh, we consider him a friend, and uh, Joe Thomas, the producer, he, he's the guy that played Cupid and put Larry and I and Joe Thomas together with, with Brian and the Beach Boys, and I think our, our, our best moment was 2012 when the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson released That's Why God Made the Radio, which Larry and I wrote with Joe and Brian, uh, and they toured the country, with, and that was the name of the tour, Sold 20,000 copies, you know, when they put it up for sale on TV. It was just a wonderful experience. Yeah, just to be a fly on the wall to watch you two geniuses work together. I mean, how, how do, is it, does it feel energizing to work with someone else, or is it kind of harder sometimes to work with another songwriter? Well, it goes both ways. You know, with Brian, you just have to catch him when he's at the piano uh, and doodling, you know. I mean, his doodlings are, are worth millions, you know, but he's not a disciplined writer. So, you know, the, the co-writer has to stand there and just listen. And if he comes up with something, you record it and uh, you work from that because Brian's just a stream of conscious kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It's got to be harder when there's pressure like, hey, you guys like with 38 Special, you have to sit and you have to come up with something like to, you just have to find inspiration or here's a movie. You got to write a song for this. I mean, that's got to be tough sometimes to force yourself. Well, it, you know, having an assignment and a goal is really, really important uh, for me. Um, I just wrote two albums, uh, portions of two albums with De Dennis DeYoung of Sticks, formerly of Sticks, mm -hmm. And... Um, at first, we really didn't click, and that was about 15 years ago. We sat down and nothing came. This time, we realized that we each had to bring to the table a seed, a song seed. And then the other guy would go, okay, and we'd get rolling. But the secret is to have these little starter seeds that we each came to the writing session with, and that made all the difference. Yeah, and I love that song you uh, you did with him, uh, "Proof of Heaven." And I guess I, I heard the story you wrote it in a, a graveyard in Italy. That's spooky. Yeah, uh, that's where it started. I was just I love uh, walking through graveyards. I was on the road uh, doing doing shows with Toby Hitchcock and Pride of Lions, and I go there cemeteries sometimes to uh, just reflect and, and feel the vibes. And uh, that's where I started the song seed for uh, Proof of Heaven. So what did you, do you do like research on that topic? Do you dive deep into that, read books about it? Because my dad wrote a book on a similar kind of subject. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about that, your, your thoughts on. Yeah, I've read numerous books about that, including the book Proof of Heaven, uh, which is a book. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. it is. And Dennis wanted to change the title because it was a book. But nothing sounded like proof of heaven because that's really the song. And yeah, so you don't get a copyright infringement or anything like that? No, it's a different uh, medium. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, you know, another person that you – I've listened to a lot of your interviews. So I've heard a lot of these uh, – some of these stories before, but I was like, I got to ask him something that no one's asked him. I don't think anybody's asked you about 
working with Tom Kiefer, who I think oh, is wow. totally underrated. And you wrote three songs with him and they're all, it's that bluesy fun. It must've been fun to write those songs. Oh yeah. Hey Larry, would you do me a favor? Yeah. Hand me that picture of myself oh, and sure. Kiefer and my son. Okay. Uh, this is a imperfect, oh. permanent installation on my on back table. Uh, this was many, many years ago. In fact, Colin is probably about 16 there, do you think? Wow. Uh, if that, now he's 32. So I want to show you the oh. picture. So can, can you see that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's very great. cool. You know, I never realized how tall Kiefer is. I was going to say, he's, he's got like a head. He's a monster. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, it was really a joy writing with Tom. And uh, we wrote some great stuff. Uh, More than even came out. You know, I mean, we wrote so many songs that, you know, you couldn't use them all. But uh, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. And and we're going to write again because we've got too much work to do. Yeah. (laughs) How do you're such a, you must be so busy, like all these different projects, all these co writes. How long does it take? Like, if you sat down with Kiefer and you wrote all these, was this like a day or a week or how long does it typically take? Um, Probably two days. Two days you know, okay. to get that first seed and inspiration and sleep on it, come back and finish it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another guy you wrote with, uh, who I just had on the show, Mike Reno of Loverboy, And, uh, he's a great storyteller, really funny, but it's who's the funniest musician or person in the entertainment industry that you've worked with? Like who's the life of the party that, Oh, you wouldn't believe who it is. Dennis DeYoung. Really? He's a stitch, a total stitch. He's like a stand-up comedian, Larry said. That's true. You would think he'd be kind of, you know, I mean, his vocals are very pompous and wonderful, and he's a cut-up. He, he, he does impressions, and, yeah, I mean, he's Italian. What else is new, you know? Right. Yeah, I've never seen him or with either solo or with sticks in concert. Does he do a lot of shtick in, the, in between songs and stuff? Uh he does a fair amount of shtick. He does, but not as much as if he's sitting here goofing around at a party or whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a real ham, and uh, I said that wrong. He's not Italian. He's uh, Dutch. He's Dutch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. terrible with all that. <laughs> but whatever. He, yeah. He, he talks like an Italian. You know. Talks like. Hey, a- hey yo. You know. No. Not he's from New York. I forget where is he from. No, he's from here. He's from the Burbs of Chicago. Chicago, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's that's where you are from, and that's where you reside. Did you live in L.A. for a while? No, you know, just making records forever. You know, we'd make a record for three months and not see our home, you know. Because, okay. uh, you know, our producer was, you know, Ron Nevison was in L.A., and we traveled from L.A. To, up to Sausalito to finish Vital Signs, which was my all-time favorite album by Survivor was Vital Signs. Which, no, wait, I, I'm now I'm spacing, which, because there's like six Survivor albums. Which year was that one? Well, this was uh, 80, the end of 83, 84. This is the one with all the hits on it. High on You, Search is Over, I Can't yeah. Go Back. This is the best album we made, in, in essence, and Ron Nevison produced it. Yeah, Ron Nevison, I'm trying to get him on the show. He was, uh, I think he was sick or something, but I'm going to try to get him on. He's got, he's produced a lot of great stuff. He's, I bet he's got a lot of good stories. Oh, man. And, and please uh, send my best if you talk to him. I, I talk to him occasionally. I give him like a he, he was compiling a hire me kind of a thing. And he, he wanted a quote from me, you know, and I gave him a really nice quote because it's really from the heart. 
he's the kind of guy I'll be, you know, doodling. Uh, I'll be writing a new song on the piano. We'll be in the studio ready to record, and I'm, I'm writing a new song. He comes over and looks. Says, "Try inverting the A with the G," and I'll go. That'll never work. He goes, "Try it." I try it. It works. It's brilliant. He silently walks away and says, "No charge." <laughs> wow, that's, a that's true interesting. Story. He's very yeah, because- generous guy. So there's got to be some producers that are not hands-on like that. Like I know Rick Rubin is famously like doesn't really do a lot with it's more about the environment and, and spot inspiration and not necessarily technical. That That's true. He's a very, uh, uh, you know, how would you put it? Um, hands off producer. <laughs> hands off for sure. You know, but I, I can't work that way. <laughs> I need a game plan. You know, if I co- come in with a co-write, I really want to have a song seed to grow from. I've learned that with all the writers that I write with. And uh, and if they like it, we keep going. If they don't, well, then you show me a seed, you know, so. Right, right. Which producers are, are, are you working with right now? Or do you work with producer now? Um, you know, right now, uh, self-produced. Uh, Jim Peterick, Larry's my, my uh, right-hand uh, guy, engineer and, 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 and consulate. Um but no, I mean, I've, I've often toyed with, I wonder what it would be like to go back with Ron Nevison for a record, you know, but hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Well, some of that stuff's cost now too, because it's, it's so much, it's so expensive to get all these people together. Everyone lives in a different state now. Oh yeah. It's not as expensive as you think, because it's all, you fly files everywhere. Right. And, uh, the challenge is making it sound like you're all in the same room, which Larry is great at, you know, creating an ambience. Is that how you typically do it? Is is you send the files from from person to person? Yes. What'd you say, Larry? You should mention Fred Mahler. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your question? Um, just how you 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 typically send the files from person to person. You typically are not in the same room anymore. That that's correct. Yeah. When when you can get it, sure. Uh, Fred Mahler. Uh, Larry reminded me that a great experience with Fred. He's produced Jimmy Webb since nineteen. 19- the sixties and uh, many other people, Linda Ronstadt and on and on and on. We got the chance to work with him. Uh, I've known him many, many years. Cause every time I would go to Nashville, he would buy me dinner. I said, this guy's great. But Fred made a great album with the eyes of March called play on. And uh, that came out in a very bad time when COVID was just hitting the ground. Uh, and it's a terrific record. We're going to, Pretend like it's a new album and re-release it. It's that good. Wow. Now, and you typically tour mostly as was the uh, Ides of March. You you don't you do some solo shows too, though, right? I, I, yeah, mainly the Ides of March, and occasionally, I, I'll, well, more than occasionally, I'm a guest star on these kind of rock reviews, mm. uh, '80s kind of reviews that are so popular. And you get up there and you do your three big ones. You know, for me, it's usually. Uh, vehicle searches over an eye of the tiger. If I had to pick three, mm-hmm. um, those would be, be the three. But sometimes I go into like, you know, hold on loosely or, or caught up in you or something. Is Do you like singing? Do you like kind of being the front man? Is that partly why you felt like you had to leave Survivor? Because you wanted to, wanted to do your own thing, right? Well, yeah, I've always been a front man with the Ides. And it was such a, you know, hard thing to, to take being the almost the side man. Uh, I, and, you know, back at the keyboard's kind of hidden. I'm, 
that that wasn't me, you know, but I took one for the team and, and Survivor did very well. But in 96, I just said, I've had enough of that, you know, and created Pride of Lions and my solo shows and the, amped up the Ides of March and I was back in, in the front line, you know. Yeah, it's totally different. I just watched the, have you seen that uh, documentary on Amazon Prime called The Hired Gun? No. It's really good. I think you'd like it. Um, and it just, it shows all these people that were, you know, quote unquote, hired guns with musicians. Like, what is your thought on that? Do you think sometimes the hired guns kind of get screwed over? Yeah, I mean, they don't enjoy the spoils of, of the songwriting process. You know, for me, uh, if it wasn't for songwriting, I, I wouldn't probably have this house. It's hard to make money as a rock musician, but if you're a noted songwriter, that's where the, the money flow comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were say, they interviewed like uh, Billy Joel's drummer, but he was saying how he, you know, he doesn't get a songwriting credit, but he does help with the arrangement. Yeah, Liberty uh, is very bitter about that. I mean, <laughs> we're we're dear friends, and uh, oh, are you yeah, with Liberty? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he has a case for that, but it'll never hold up in court. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, it's Billy Joel's band. and um, Well, he wrote the songs. You yeah. know, Liberty uh, contributed tremendously, but it's called arranging, you mm -hmm. know, not writing. And you don't get credits for that, right? No, no. Yeah, I always wonder that because sometimes there's some bands where, where – they will give a credit to every single band member. And I know that the drummer typically does not have a lot to do with the songwriting unless they play those other instruments. So it is interesting to, to see that. Well, you can assign writing credits to, to anybody, your cleaning lady, and it's legal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it all depends on how you set it up. Do you think that they that bands sometimes do that just to to be fair? But it's not. It seems like it's not really fair. Like if the singer wrote the whole song, and just because the drummer played a drum part, that's not really writing the song. Well, you know, it's for keeping the band happy. That's why they do it, and yeah. uh, it, it it works. You know, it's it's a lot to take away from the guy who wrote it, but sometimes you take one for the team. You know. Yeah, it's kind of sad, though, because like some of those, I mean, the, those song royalties are so valuable. And now it's like kind of all you got with album sales. It's hard to get money off of that. Correct. Correct. Mundo. Correct. Mundo. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you, um, I'm, I'm in the middle of a session and I just wondered what the, um, how, how much longer you need with me. Oh, uh, I can I can wrap it up whenever you need to get going. Yeah, I, I'm working on a, a new song that um, I'm going to be recording for this new new project I'm designing, which uh, in two months when we talk again, I'll be able to tell you about, but it's pretty, pretty exciting. Secret? But, uh, secret right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, no, we can, I can let you go. Um, just, I always end with a charity. I know you have the, uh, the vehicle for education charity. Correct. Can you tell me about yeah, that? I sure can. Uh, over the last seven years, we've uh, endowed uh, many, many musicians, artists, female or male uh, from our alma mater, Morton West High School in Berlin, Illinois. And uh, we always have a, a nice ceremony to award this person, you know, a nice wad of cash and, uh, and send him on his way. And, and the Eyes of March performed that night about three songs. And it's, a, it's great to go back to Morton West, our alma mater. Okay, awesome. Well, I'll put that in the notes along with your website and people can uh, get all your music, which there's tons of, and then check for tour dates as well. 
Yeah, jimpeterick.com, theidesofmarch.com, Facebook, Jim Peterick. I would love to uh, communicate with you guys. Everybody. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so and much, Jim. You're a very, very knowledgeable guy. You Thank go, you. I'll tell you. Thank you're you. Not like, what's your favorite color? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to. I wanted to do something different. So yeah. Hopefully it's that a, was good. That's a deep dive. All right. Great, great meeting you and uh, talk, talk. Let's talk again. Okay, for sure. Sounds All good. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, what can you say? Jim is a busy man, so not a lot of time. He's got tons of interviews out there, and I've listened to a lot of them. Lots of great stories that he's told. And so there's definitely more material for a part two. If that happens, I hope it does. I want to thank Jim and his PR team for helping set this up. Uh, make sure to follow Jim and his bands on social media. Check out his website for more information, tour dates, all that stuff. And you can check out my website too if you're bored and follow me on social media as well. I post short clips of my interviews on Instagram and TikTok so you can get a taste of some of the interviews I've done. And if you're looking for the full episodes, they're available obviously on all the podcast formats and also on YouTube, organized by playlist and section. So whether you like 80s rock or 70s rock or Maybe you like TV and movies or in, uh, interviews with authors and experts. They're all organized there, and it's a lot of fun. So thank you all for your support. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day, and remember to shoot for the moon.